When I was growing up here in Northwest Indiana, I grew up in Crown Point. Uh, one of my favorite things, one of the things I did when I was just a little Sean, uh, was to watch Channel 11. How many of you grew up watching Channel 11? PBS. Uh, yeah, it, we watched Channel 11 all the time when I was just a little guy. Uh, two of my favorite shows. Uh, one was Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Oh, I loved Mr. Rogers and put the shoes on and the sweater and the neighborhood of make-believe, the little trolley. Remember this? Yeah, anybody? No? Yeah. Okay, all right, good. Phew. Uh, you all looking at me like I got a third eye coming out of my head. Mr. Rogers. Um, but anyway, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, uh, used to love it. I loved Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and he would always, you know, he'd come out and he'd sing the song, It's a beautiful day in the, a beautiful day for a, there you go. <laughs> so excited. Um, so we would watch Mr. Rogers every single day. Now here's a little known fact. Here's some, I remember like the neighborhood of Make Believe and, and King Friday and Queen Sarah Saturday and Prince Tuesday. Do you know that here's, all right, if you don't get anything out of the sermon today, here's a little, uh, little known fact for you to get out of the sermon today. King Friday's actual name, King Friday the 13th. Mind blown, right? I mean, seriously, Mr. Rogers and King Friday the 13th all kinds of creepy now, right? Oh my. So King Friday the 13th. Um, and then, of course, after I watched Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, I would watch the other show, which was Sesame Street. Sesame Street. No, anybody watched Sesame Street growing up? I love Sesame Street. In fact, here's another little known fact, that by the time I was two years old, because of Sesame Street, I knew my numbers from 1 to 20 and my alphabet. By the time I was two, I could say my alphabet and numbers one to 20. I know what you're thinking, genius, right? Not just a pretty box, but um, so I, I, I love Sesame Street. And on Sesame Street, they had the, the little song, you know, who are the people in your, in your, in your neighborhood? Oh. And then they would always do, uh, here's, here's, did you know Sesame Street is still on the air today, but it's on HBO. Sesame Street is on HBO now. And here's the crazy thing. The network that brought you Game of Thrones and The Sopranos is now the network that brings your children Sesame Street. You thought Oscar was grouchy before? I mean, Oscar's really grouchy now. Eh, hey, forget about it, right? Get away from my can. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, but we had the, the song, Who Are the People in Your Neighborhood? And they would give you different examples. Who, the grocer is the person in your neighborhood or the dentist or the doctor. You know, uh, I wonder if they've kind of updated it nowadays. Oh, the vegan is the person in your neighborhood. The hipster is the person in your neighborhood with his long and flowing beard and his white skinny jeans. Anyway, um, so... <laughs> We're going to talk about your neighborhood today. And who are the people in our neighborhoods? Who are the people in our neighborhoods? Who are our neighbors? That is an important question. Because we have to do something with our neighbors. Now when I talk about your neighbor, when I talk about our neighbors, I'm not necessarily talking about the people who live next door. I'm not talking about the people who live down the street. I'm not talking about the people who live in the next town over. I'm talking about the people <laughs> that you hate. The people that you despise. Maybe it's the people you've been taught to hate. Because 
according to Jesus, they are your neighbors. We're going to talk about that this morning uh, as we start a brand new series uh, today called The Short Stories Jesus Told. And what we're going to do for the, all summer long, starting today, is we're going to look at parables. Now, a parable is just what I just said it is. It is just a short story. And Jesus told lots of stories. And we're going to look at some of the stories that he told, some of these short stories that he told. And we're going to look at one book of the Bible and, and several different short stories out of it. Uh, the book of Luke, which is a gospel. It's the story of Jesus' life told from the perspective of a man named Luke. And so we're going to look at these different short stories all summer long. Uh, and we're going to see that these stories are about our lives. And they are about God. And they are about Jesus. And they are about the kingdom of heaven. And so we're going to look at these various short stories all summer uh, as we talk about um, what it means to follow Jesus. So that's where we're going this summer. And I'm so glad you joined us here for the very first one today uh, as we look at who is our neighborhood in a sermon I'm titling, There Goes the Neighborhood. And, and when you think, when you hear that, it's like, oh man, who's moving into our neighborhood? It's not necessarily who's moving into our neighborhood, it's who's already here. And these are the people that we don't want to love. The people in our neighborhood are the people that we've been conditioned to hate. The people in our neighborhood are the people that we've been taught to despise. The people in our neighborhoods are the ones that we don't want to love. And Jesus says, we have to love them. And we're going to talk about that for a little while this morning. So if you have your Bible, please turn it to Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. If you didn't bring your Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 753. And uh, just want to encourage you to look that up with us. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. If you brought uh, your smartphone or tablet and you want to use your favorite Bible app on the smartphone or tablet, uh, you can do that. Uh, I prefer Bible Gateway myself, but a lot of people like version. Either way, you're good to go. Uh, they can, you can look it up on your phone or tablet. Um, so we're going to look at here uh, at Luke chapter 10. And before we talk about Luke 10, I want to talk just a little bit about Luke chapter 9. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus is talking about what it means to follow him and what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And it, it's called discipleship. A disciple is nothing more than someone who follows somebody. And so discipleship is the process of following Jesus. That's what we talk about when we mean discipleship, that we want to follow Jesus and what he talks about in Luke chapter 9 is what it means to be a disciple. And in Luke chapter 9, uh, starting in, in about verse 51, uh, Jesus goes to a, a Samaritan village, and he is opposed, and he is uh, opposed by the Samaritans. Now, you've got to know something about Jews and Samaritans. They hated each other. I mean, they were taught to hate one another from the moment that they were born. They despised each other. The Jews look at the Samaritans like they were half-breeds, uh, and they just hated each other. And so you got this situation where Jesus and his disciples go to a Samaritan village, and Jesus is rejected by this village. And this is what happens. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, two of Jesus' followers, hear about this, and this is what they say. He said, when the disciples, James and John, saw this, this is the, uh, the Samaritans rejecting Jesus, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? These are two of Jesus' followers. Like, these guys hang out with Jesus all the time, and they're like, do you want us to firebomb the village? We'll ask God to firebomb the village if you want. I mean, we're, we're ready to go. Let's do it right now. Let's, let's call down fire from the sky and let's destroy this village. And Jesus is like, no, that's not what we're doing here at all. And he rebukes them. 
And then he's got a situation where some people come up to him and he comes up to some people and he talks to them about what it means to follow him. And they all offer excuses as to why they can't follow Jesus. Kind of similar to what we do. Sometimes we'll make excuses why we can't follow Jesus or why we can't do what he wants us to do. We can't go where he wants us to go. Uh, Last week, Brandon talked about the importance of uh, our mission field, uh, how everywhere we go is a mission field and every day is a mission trip and that Jesus wants us to go out and to spread the good news and to tell people about him and to tell people about his love. And like I said, every day is a mission trip and your mission field is wherever you are at. And I uh, thank Brandon for preaching last week. He did an excellent job and, and it was so great to, to be able to get away and just take a day and just relax. Uh, so I'm very thankful to Brandon for doing that for us last week. Um, but this week we're talking about the short stories that Jesus told. And, and in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37, we're going to see the very first one we're going to talk about. And it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, how many of you know what a Good Samaritan is? We've all heard the phrase, right? Good Samaritan. It's uh, somebody who does something nice for a stranger. So it could be uh, the guy who uh, pulls up behind a, a single mom with three kids and uh, her f- tire's flat on a, on a thunderstormy kind of night and he changes the tire for her. That guy's a good Samaritan. Uh, it could be like a, a Packers fan who pulls an, a Bears fan out of a ditch, you know, um, uh, because, uh, yeah, you know, because that's, that's, that's how we roll. Uh, we Packer fans, even though we don't know the Bears fan, we still love them. Uh, and uh, most of the, some of the time, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's hard to win all them championships, I'm telling you. Um, so, but no, a good Samaritan is, in our, in our world, we look at a good Samaritan as someone who does something nice for a stranger. That's not how it was in those days, and that's not what the parable of the good Samaritan is all about. So take a look at, we're going to look at this passage in about four little chunks, and the first one is verses 25 uh, through 28. So look at there, uh, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Now, just so you know, an expert of the law is two things. One, he's a lawyer. That's what we would call a lawyer, is an expert in the law. And when we talk about the law, we mean the first five books of the Old Testament, the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They were the books that Moses wrote, and it's called the Torah. And so that, in the Jewish mind, is the law. And so this guy is a lawyer. He's an expert in the law of Moses. And he gets up, and he's going to ask Jesus a question. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, that's a great question. I mean, if Jesus showed up right here, right now, in the flesh, wouldn't you want to ask him, what do I have to do to go to heaven? I, that's a great question. So he asked him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus asks him a question, too. What is written in the law, he replied. You're an expert, you know this. What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, the lawyer answers, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus replies, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. That's impressive. This is a great answer because Jesus has said this before. He's talked about this before. And sure enough, the man, he may have heard Jesus say it before or he just knew from being an expert in the law that the greatest commandment is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, what he's doing is he's quoting the Old Testament. He's quoting the law of Moses. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. That means to love God with everything that you have. Love God with all that you are. So we love God with everything we have. 
And then the second commandment is a quote of Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. It says this, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So he quotes from Deuteronomy. He quotes from Leviticus, the law of Moses. It says the two greatest commandments, love God and love people. Now there's another verse that he doesn't quote, but I just want to make you aware of. It's verse, uh, 19, uh, verses 33 and 34 of Leviticus 19. Not only were they to love their neighbors uh, of their fellow Jews, but they were to love the aliens and foreigners living in their land. Look at this. When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Love, your, love the foreigners as yourself. There's a whole lot we could say about refugees, but that's not this sermon. I'm just saying, love the foreigner as you love yourself. So love your neighbors yourself, love your foreigners yourself. We're opening up the neighborhood. We're making the neighborhood a little bit bigger, and it's going to get even bigger in just a moment. So in Luke 10, 29, after he says this, love God, love people, we get to verse 29, and this is the question that the man asked Jesus. He wanted to justify himself, verse 29. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor. Who is my neighbor? Now, notice, he is not trying to figure out, okay, now who do I get to love? It's more of a question of who do I have to love? It's not a, wow, I get to love my neighbor? I wonder who my neighbor is so I can go out there and love them. It's like, what's the bare minimum kind of love that I have to do? Who's my neighbor? So I know who I have to love, because there's certain people I don't want to love. And then Jesus tells him a story. In reply, Jesus said, verse 30, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Real quick, Jerusalem sits 3,300 feet above Jericho. And it's a 17-mile journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. 3,300 feet descent and elevation and 17 miles long. It's through the mountains. And so there were lots of places for bandits and robbers and thieves, oh my, uh, to hide uh, in the mountains, okay? So that's what happens. So this man is going from Jerusalem to Jericho. He's traveling down. It says, he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. This is not an uncommon occurrence. The people would have known, okay, this is something that happened, sure. I knew a guy that happened to once. A priest happened to be going down the same road. Now notice, he's going down the road, meaning he's going from Jerusalem to Jericho. He's leaving Jerusalem, meaning that he's done serving in the temple. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Now this is a priest. This is a guy who is like so close to God. He, he ministers on God's behalf in the temple. Uh, he can't defile himself by touching a dead body if he figured the guy was dead. But again, he's not going to Jerusalem to do his duties. He has done his duties, and now he's heading to Jericho. But he has no compassion on the man. He passes by on the other side. So to a Levite. Now, priests were the most holy men of Israel. The Levites were next. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Again, he doesn't want to get his hands dirty. He doesn't want to get involved. He doesn't want to help the man. He just walks away. But a Samaritan. Jesus says. As he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Broke his heart. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put a man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense 
you may have. Now, remember, Jews and Samaritans hate each other. They despise each other. They can't stand each other. And yet, Jesus says, I, I just can't imagine the crowd that's gathered around Jesus just audibly gasps when he says, but a Samaritan. <sighs> what? Jesus makes the most unlikely person the hero of the story. But a Samaritan. The Levite? Nope. The priest? Nope. But this lowly Samaritan helps the Jewish man. The people would have flipped out. You've got to be kidding me. This would never happen. And sure enough, the Samaritan takes care of the man, bandages up his wounds, puts him on his donkey, takes him to an inn or a house, and, and sets it up so that the, he's going to be taken care of and nursed back to health. And, and he's, he's gonna, he gives him two silver coins, lots of money to take care of it. And if there's any extra expense, extra, extra expense he's going to come back and pay for it. That's amazing. It's a beautiful story. This good Samaritan, it's not just somebody who helped a stranger. He's helping a stranger that he'd been conditioned and taught to hate. So what happens next? We go back to the lawyer and Jesus. Jesus asks him a question. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Notice that the lawyer can't even bring himself to say the name Samaritan. Instead, he says, it was the one who had mercy on him. Can't even say the name. He's so conditioned to hate Samaritans. He can't even say Samaritan. It's like saying a curse word. And Jesus says, <laughs> go and be like the Samaritan. I can't imagine that the man went away very happy that day. I can't imagine he did. But I imagine that if Jesus told us the same thing about our neighbors, we wouldn't be very happy either. You see, the question I have for you is, who are the people in your neighborhood? Who are the people that you hate? Well, I don't hate anybody, really. Who are the people that you've been conditioned to despise? Who are the people that you've been conditioned to hate? That you've been taught to hate? Who is your neighbor? Your neighbor could be someone of a different race than you a different ethnicity, a different color. That's your neighbor. Do you hate people of a different color, people of a different race, people of a different ethnicity? That's your neighbor. Do you hate people of a different religion or a different denomination? That's your neighbor. The... <laughs> The Muslim terrorists who attacked people in London yesterday or in Manchester last week, the week before? That's your neighbor. Republicans, Democrats, neighbor, 
neighbor. Independents, neighbor. Atheists, neighbor. Agnostics, neighbor. Christ haters, neighbor. Homophobes, neighbor. Gay people, neighbor. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Neighbor, 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 neighbor. Brown too, neighbor. They're not in the song. They need to be in the song. Who is your neighbor? Who are the people in your neighborhood? Who is God calling you to love, serve, and forgive? We don't want to, though. We don't want to love people who are different than us. We don't want to love people who look differently than us. We don't want to love people who sin differently than us. We don't want to love people who act differently than us. Our neighborhood is very, very, very small. And I think Jesus is challenging us to widen our view of our neighborhood. I think Jesus is asking us to open our eyes to a much bigger neighborhood. To love people as we love ourselves. I want to do something real quick. I'm just going to ask you to say something along with me. I'm going to say it first. I'm going to ask you to say it with me. Because I want you to think about that person. I want you to think about those people. I want you to think about that race or that uh, sin people or, or whatever it is. Those people that you hate. The people that you despise. The people that you look down on. The people that you say, I don't want them in my neighborhood. And I want you to say this. You are my neighbor and I will love you like I love myself. Say it with me. You are my neighbor, and I will love you like I love myself. And I'm telling you, it's not optional. It's not. Jesus says, you are my neighbor, and I will love you like I love myself, because that's what Jesus did. Jesus calls you his neighbor. Though you are a sinner and an enemy of God in your mind because of your sinful behavior, though you are a sinner, Jesus died for you. He loved you so much that he gave up his life and he suffered and he died on a Roman cross for our sins. He died for your sins. He died for my sins. And if we'll put our faith and trust in Jesus, we will believe in him and repent from our sins, confess our faith and get baptized like we did with Annika earlier in the service. If you will put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he will forgive your sins and give you the promise of eternal life in heaven with him. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Inherit eternal life, the man asked. What must I do? And Jesus said two things, love God and love people. And I think sometimes it's, it's like, oh, I love God. I really do. I, I really do love God. I, I love God. And then how do you feel about people, though? Because this is what it boils down to. You cannot say that you love God and hate people. You can't. You cannot love God and hate people. So who are the people in your neighborhood? You can't hate them. And your neighborhood is a lot bigger than you think it is. My neighborhood is a lot bigger than I think it is. Who are the people in your neighborhood? You cannot say that you love God and hate people. You just can't. The book of 1 John tells us that you cannot say that you love God and hate people at the same time. Impossible. So I want to challenge you today to open up your eyes to a bigger neighborhood. I want to challenge you today 
to open up your eyes to your neighbors and to open up your heart to your neighbors, to be a good Samaritan. Because I think about it, this is that we are all the Samaritans. We are all the ones who should be despised and hated. And yet we are the ones who despise and hate. And that's just wrong. It's just wrong. So we need to do what Jesus is calling us to do, and that is to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, to open our eyes to a much bigger neighborhood, to look around and go, you are the people in my neighborhood, and you are the people in my neighborhood, and you are the people in my neighborhood, and I will love my neighbor like I love myself. And it, it's, it, you, no excuses and no cop-outs. Well, I don't like myself very much, so therefore I don't have to like my neighbor. Not true. No cop-outs, no excuses. We will love our neighbors like we love ourselves. And as a church, that is what we are going to do. We are going to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. We are going to love people like Jesus loves people. And we are going to love people and like, like, like God loves people. And we're going to look like Jesus when it comes to loving people. Because when Jesus loves people, he loves them all the way. And he loves them unconditionally. And he cares for their needs. And he provides for their needs. And he takes care of people. And that's what we need to do too. If we're going to look more like Jesus, then we need to do three things. We need to love, serve, and forgive people. Because that's what Jesus did. He loved, served, and forgave people. That's what we're going to do. And I believe this, I truly believe this, that when we do that, when we love, serve, and forgive people like Jesus loves and serves and forgives people, and when we love our neighbors like we love ourselves, we will make a difference, we will make an impact, we will change this world one life at a time. Because there's somebody that we know, there's somebody that you know that doesn't feel very loved. There's somebody that you know, there's somebody that I know, there's somebody that we as a church know that doesn't feel like they're worthy of God's love and they don't feel like they deserve God's love and they don't feel like, like anybody loves them or cares for them. And we're going to change that. Because we are going to love our neighbors as ourselves no matter who our neighbor is. These are the people in our neighborhood. And we are going to love them. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do pray that you would help us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. As a church, as the people of God, help us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. I pray today for those people in our world, those people in our neighborhoods that, that we don't want to love. It may be someone from a different religion or a different color or a different sin habit somebody who just doesn't look like us or act like us or make as much money as us, somebody who worships at a different church, somebody who doesn't worship at all. Lord, we have so many biases and prejudices, and I pray that you would forgive us for that. Forgive us for our hatred, and I pray that you would turn our hearts to love so that we would love the people that you love and that Jesus died for. Help us, God, to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.